Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me David Delisle, who's an Amazon bestselling author, entrepreneur, real estate investor, has a financial background. But David, we met uh, through a mutual friend who's been on the show, April, and she told me that you wrote a book. Now, it's like, is this a book for kids or adults or, and it's on finance, there's like a graphic novel. If you can tell us a little bit about that and your background a little bit, just to get this started. For sure, it's uh, it's funny. It's a it's a graphic novel, so immediately people think it's for kids. And I did write it, so a five year old would get these messages. So it really is a book about money that a five year old could get. But uh, because this stuff's so important, and most of us as adults don't want to learn about it, I'm trying to trick the adults into reading it and learning these messages as they read it to their kids. Uh, as you know, basically around the, the kitchen table and families can talk about these messages. So, so it really is a bit of both. And, and I do hope it, it becomes one of those things as well that we give to our high school grads, as well as our young kids, because this stuff is so important. Yeah, no, I like that. So what, when did you get the idea to write the book? Because you have the financial background, you invest in real estate. Was there like an epiphany moment or a time where you're just like, you know, I want to make this happen or... How did that yeah, it was, it's funny. I was not really planning on writing a book, but uh, my kids at the time, we were just talking about kids. My guys got two boys, they're 10 and 13. But around that time, they're a little bit younger. They're about seven and 10. This has been about three years I've been doing this. And they're at an age where I'm starting to think about, you know, what are some of the things I'd like them to know if, if I just, if something happened, what are the things I'd like to, to sort of put down on paper and, and teach them. And I noticed that a lot of the stuff that I was putting down had to do with my views on money because they're a little bit different than what's out there. And as well, being in finance and investing since, since a young age, I mean, I was loving the stuff when I was 11 and 12 and reading finance books. Um, I realized how much of it really wasn't important and just distilled it to what really was important. And then, and then it just sort of grew from there, but it was never meant to be a graphic novel. Uh, it was just this boring book of notes for my boys that I was going mm -hmm. to force them to read. And that sort of struck when I saw, like I was volunteering at uh, my son's library at their school and watching all these kids read these graphic novels and just how much they've changed from when we were kids. I mean, they are not these comic books anymore. They're these amazing stories, all genres. And it just, it just made so much sense that I could take this message because again, like I said, I've loved this for my, since I was young, but almost everyone I talk to hates talking about finance and investing. So I was used to knowing that I needed a, a way to make this a little bit more palatable and fun and easy to learn and picturing it as a graphic novel and like a little adventure. So basically a boy goes on an adventure and learns these lessons. It, that moment and that idea came really fast. I mean, it's been a three-year process, but that, that uh, sort of aha moment of this is this could be something that was a that was a pretty quick revelation. 
No, that's cool. I like it because I'm thinking about like our friend George Bryant had posted today that the message a lot of times is the same, but we put it in a different wrapping paper. And, you know, we're probably around the same age. So what drew us may not draw people now, but finances is something that I think no one wants to talk about because either A, they have it together so they don't need to, or B, they've never been taught or they were taught what their parents maybe knew. And like, I think a lot of people are just like so frustrated with it. So I like this. So, so you, the book's about finances and stuff. What, what are some key takeaways or some key things that people maybe don't know or they don't see with finances? Sure. So, so a lot of the stuff's universal habits that a lot of people would have heard before impacted in a way that kids get. So that in itself is pretty exciting because we just don't teach our kids. But what I found, and the reason I've started becoming more, so much more passionate about this whole message and wanting to almost create like a, a movement or a thing behind it, is that as I started talking to kids and parents, I started realizing more and more that whenever we think of finance and money, the only thing we're really taught is how to have more. And that's, our, that's what we're asking. How do we have more? What are the tactics to have more? Everything's about more. And it's not that there's anything wrong with more. But when that's the only thing that we've ever learned, then we can never have enough because it's just every time we achieve any level of success, mm -hmm. the question is, well, how do I have more? Because that's all yep. we thought. And so where my book's a little different, it does teach some of those tactics, but the important first message what I think is really missing is why we want more in the first place. And I refer to that as like our awesome stuff. And for everybody, it's different. There's so much judgment about money. I try to take that judgment out and it's just really figuring out what is your awesome stuff? Why do you want more? And then we start going into the tactics. So that's a real sort of fundamental piece that I think a lot of us miss mm -hmm. um, as adults for sure. And it's, and it's nice to hit with the kids a little bit earlier because they're at an age where they usually know those things, but then they start to forget. They start turning seven, nine, 10 outside influences and what's really important to them gets, you know, taken over from what, what they should be liking or what their friends like or what they see. And we lose track of that. So yeah, no, that's, that's cool. a big one. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I come from a sales background. I'm in corporate America. I'm in the entrepreneurial space. And if I, I am in the more, more, more environment, when you're in sales, it's like, well, when's the next sale? When's the next hit? And one of the reasons I made this podcast up is because you see all the people online, like get the... Lambo, do this, be a millionaire. And if you make 150,000 or more a year, you're in the top 10% of income earners in the world. And then you can just build your life by design. Maybe you don't want to be a millionaire. Maybe you just want to take your family on trips and be happy. So I love that concept of what is your awesomeness. That, that's cool. Yeah. And that's the thing is what is that awesome stuff? Because you, like you said, if you're making 150,000 or more, you're in the top 10%, but you start achieving some of those those successes and you don't feel like you're in the top 10%. No. You're seeing everybody with more and you're like, okay, well, and the difference between the top 10% and then the top five or the top five and the top two and the top, like they're exponential jumps mm -hmm. that are very difficult to achieve. And so you just start chasing them, not, not even realizing that you have more than, you know, over 90% of the people out there and you're still chasing. And that's, yeah. that's really what I'm trying to get past. Not that there's anything bad with, earning more, just trying to get it. So it's not the chase you're, you're doing it because you love it or because you know what you want, not because you're just chasing. Yeah, no. And, and because I believe me, I fall, I used to fall into that until I got to this point where I'm like, 
I've taken my wife on two trips to Hawaii. We've gone and done the kids to this. And we've done all this stuff. Why am I going to do more of X, Y, Z to get more? And I'm like, well, I want to have impact. I want to have a legacy. I want to help more people. And it just shifted from there. But like that whole desire for a while there, I had to go through the process of why am I doing this? And I think it's just crazy because even like you said, if you're in the top 10%, yet we're still tripping out about, oh, I have to be in the top five or in the top one. Top five is over 200,000. I mean, that's a little jump, but then to the top two, that's a way bigger jump from the five to the two. But I, I like this. So the first thing is awesome is what's the second, what's the second thing that you, you try to teach people? So once you get past that, a lot of it's habits, because we think of all this as just being extremely complicated. And I think the reason people don't want to learn all this stuff is because they see finance as something that's complicated or has to be trickier. And so I just started habits. So this, so the first one's only buy the awesome stuff. Second is always save first. And it's just this idea of getting you on that first rung. Like if you're not saving, you're not building wealth. You just aren't. Mm-hmm. But most of us were, it seems like something that we're always going to do when we have more. Yeah. So we'll save later, or I'm going to spend all these things, whatever's left over, I'll save. No, you need to build that habit and save first. Otherwise, lifestyle inflation is going to creep in. Whatever you have, you're going to spend, unless you're like one of those really rare people that are just good at budgeting and saving. For most of us, myself included, if I have it, I'll spend it. And the more I have, the more I spend. So by saving first and building as a habit, then you're on that rung and you don't notice it. And with this, this whole book as well, the goal that I'm trying to achieve isn't a certain sort of level of financial knowledge or even financial wealth. It's trying to get to a point where money isn't something you're always thinking about and is the first thing you think about in terms of a factor of all your decisions. So to me, that's financial freedom is where money isn't consuming your life. And so that's why all these rules are sort of meant to be set up as habits that happen automatically. So you're not consumed with money, essentially. And that's, that's what I'm trying to create is, is just this awareness of it's not as, it's not as difficult as we think. And this is how we, this is how we start and get there. Yeah. And it's you, what you're saying is resonating because like I've made money and I spent money and now I'm at the stage. I'm like, okay, cool. I have a separate account I'm making where I'm putting money in because if I put it in my account, even if I have a savings account and a checking account and I can see it, it's like, oh, I can just transfer it over. But if I have a separate account and, and tell me if this is something that you would think of, I have a separate account for my business and for savings in general, that is not my main account. So that it's not there kind of like the out of sight, out of mind. So I can actually start building it until I want to make an investment or do something. Is that kind of something you would teach with that or? Yeah. I mean, anything that automates it and takes it out of sight, out of mind, because really be aware of that lifestyle inflation. And we see it, the more we have, the more we'll spend. So I had a interesting conversation earlier today, even where someone was asking like, you know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. How do I start saving? It's already tight. And there's definitely people where, just the finances are tight depending on which where you are in life and what your situation is. Sometimes it's just, it's not a good time to start saving. You just don't have it. Mm -hmm. But for most of us and this person as well, when I was talking to, once I started talking about, well, once you build that habit and that money's gone, if that money was gone, what would you, what would drop off? What would you not buy? Mm -hmm. Because we all have things that we know 
we're spending money on yep. simply because we have the money. And there's been moments in our lives where we had less. And so we spent less. Like the more I have, like, the, like you said, the, the trip to Disneyland, you know, the first time you went, you probably went once. Mm-hmm. But once you had more money, you're like, why won't we go again? Or why don't we stay longer? Or this time, instead of packing a lunch to go in the park, maybe we'll just eat in the park. Yep. yep. And, and it's just such a, it's so easy. And it's just such a slow progression that we just naturally do it. So for me, the whole idea is just out of sight, out of mind. So then that saving starts and it becomes a habit. And then it doesn't matter what you spend after that because your, your first step in terms of growing wealth has already been established. Yeah, no, I love that. Because like I read a book called Atomic Habits, which I'm sure you probably heard of, you probably may have read. And it's just talking about the habit stacking. And I've done that in my business, in my life and what I'm doing. I'm like, why haven't I done this in my finances? And it's just like an epiphany I've had recently where I've been like, okay, I make money. And like you said, it's never the big purchase. It's not like you go out and you spend five, ten thousand dollars and someone's like, oh, I went and got Starbucks again. Oh, I went and got Jimmy John's or whatever your thing is. And you look back and it's not you just got it once. You got like 15 times over the month. And it's like, well, what if I paid myself half of that even, even starting something small? Because like you said, the more you start to do it, the better it gets. And then you do have the money to do things with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the earlier you start, the easier. So with this habit, so if you think about it, if you, for example, if you got a raise and you took 20% of that and just put it away, you wouldn't miss the money because you never had it yep. to begin with. But if I told you right now, take all your spending and cut your spending by 20%, you're going to feel that. And that's going to be painful. And so the whole idea is building the habits from the beginning or the outset or in a simpler way as possible so it doesn't feel like, like lack and pain and this difficult thing. And you just, you adjust your lifestyle accordingly. Yeah. When it's funny because like that, that point you mentioned just keeps hitting my head because like my income's increased. I'm a sales guy and I've done good and I've done better. And I built my book of business and also my income's increased, but like my expenses increased with my income. And it's just like remembering to actually put money back instead of, I, I'm going to say this, paying yourself at the end does not work. You need to pay yourself first. I think that that's key. So after you start to build those habits and you have kind of the idea, I call it your life by design. You call it your success life. Um, what's the next step? So the next step, so again, these are all meant to stack. So you know what's important. Now you started the first rung in your saving. And these are universal truths, like I said, for adults, but I'm trying to hit them at five-year-olds. So mm-hmm. five-year-olds are getting these messages and they get them and they're all of a sudden, you know, oh, I'm putting money in a bank now. And I hear from like, you know, kids in kindergarten doing these things. So this is why I've tried to keep it simple because it is. The next is send your money to work today. And the whole concept is basically creating those, that investment because the savings, savings is great. It's going to get you on the rung, but understanding compound growth and how quickly that grows, our minds just don't think that way because it's exponential. And it's just, it's ridiculous how fast money will grow. And you take, and a great example is you might not see it in the early stages, but you take someone like a Warren Buffett, who a lot of us look at as, you know, one of our all time best investors and he's accumulated all this wealth and he's made amazing decisions, but a lot of his wealth can be attributed to just how long he's invested and how long he's lived. So if you take someone like him in the past, you know, in the entire history of the stock market, it's averaged around 10% returns. Now, I'm not saying that you can count on 10% returns or moving forward, it's going to be 10%. Like, I'm not 
putting that out gotcha. there. Yep, yep. Disclaimer. But, <laughs> disclaimer. But if we're just looking at round numbers, 10%, that means the money you invest is doubling almost every seven years. Mm-hmm. So if you take someone like a Warren Buffett that's made all these amazing decisions and has accumulated all this wealth, if his money was just sitting in the stock market, earning the average 10%, in another seven years, his wealth will then double again. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about with exponential growth. And I don't think we quite see it because we start with seeing it with like $100 and we might get like, you know, 10 bucks over a year and it doesn't feel like a lot, but this is, this is important. And so that whole chapter for the kids, especially is just showing how powerful compound growth is. So, you know, start today. Cause if you start doing it in your, you know, forties, fifties, it's fine. Any day's good, but the sooner you start, that's incredible. Like just thinking of if you started in your twenties and your money's been doubling every seven years since you're 20, mm-hmm. that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, I think what it is, is in our society, and I know you're in Canada, but I, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same there. It's a me society. I don't want to have delayed gratification. I want to get it now, get it now, get it now. But if you think about it, like my, I'm thinking about my son who's 17 and he's got some money <clears> saved <throat> up and he's working this summer and all, and he's been really good with it. If he invested that now and just let it compound at 17, by the time he's my age, which I'm 45, that could be millions of dollars just from the law of compound interest and just adding a little bit to it. But we think, oh, we need this one big deal. It's not one big deal. It's just like, it's like anything else. Like it takes time. We just don't want to use the time. Yeah. Well, and the reason I use the words, send your money to work, it's trying to just plant that seed that your money can work for you. So if I just use, again, that, that 10%, so if you took your son, if he started putting money away right now, whatever it might be, $100, $1,000, pick any number, even $10,000 every year for the next seven years, and then stopped and didn't put another, didn't invest another cent for his entire life. And I came along seven years later, and I started doing the same thing, $1,000 every year, $10,000 every year. How many years it would take for me to catch up to him mm-hmm. is impossible yeah. because within seven years, his money's already contributing more than he was contributing every year at that 10% return. That's, that's how powerful this stuff is. And that's why it's so important to start, start early and just get that ball rolling. Like I would never, I could never catch up. And that's where people are like, well, I don't have enough now, or maybe I'll wait. Or like you said, like the delayed gratification, we don't want to wait getting your money to work for you, he could do this now for seven years and never invest again ever in his life and be ahead of the game of me starting seven years later. Yeah, that, that's so crazy. It's like the power of seven is just what was hitting in my head there. So what type of things, like I know about Roth IRAs, I know about like the stock market, mutual funds, stuff like that. Is that kind of in the beginning stages what you would have people invest in? Or, And again, this is, we're talking about ideas. We're not giving financial advice. So disclaimers are there. We're just talking about it. Yeah, well, this is where, I mean, for me, I love this stuff. So I've, I've done everything like from real estate investment to day trading stocks, bonds, like, I, you know, I invested in GICs when I was like 10 or 11. And I was choked because my dad convinced me to buy a GIC when I wanted to invest in a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. So I've been in all these things. But what I so and and I'll, I'll answer your question in a sec. But before I answer it, in the book, I don't give any of this information. And some people that's a part where some people push back on, they wish they knew more. 
But the reason is because this is the key piece that holds a lot of people back. They feel like they need to know more about it. And the thing is, if you ask any financial advisor where they should invest, the stock market's going up or if it's going down, if things are overpriced or over, you know, undervalued, you're going to have different opinions mm -hmm. because nobody knows, but they're professionals. And so rather than you trying to just as a layman, guess at it, figure it out, and they get overwhelmed with all the macroeconomics and what's going on, are we up, are we down? Just simplifying it, first finding someone you can trust so they can help you muddle through all this. They can talk about the risks and the rewards and where your own risk, risk tolerance is and do it. It's a lot simpler than we think. Again, thinking back to a Warren Buffett, for him, one of the best investors that we know of um, in our generation, like all time, he recommends his estate, doesn't try to make these decisions. It just puts all their money in an index fund that invests in the entire stock market and just sets it and forgets it. Mm -hmm. That's his recommendation to the state. So, so having said that disclaimer, for people who really want to play with it and get into it, it really depends. But I like, again, taking out the... Uh, taking out all the, the guesswork and making it automated. So, so that's where um, having an, rather than trying to pick specific stocks, investing in an entire stock market. So you take away the risk of a specific company and you're just in the whole market. I like that. You talk about dollar cost averaging, which is simply just, you know, if, if you're getting a monthly salary and you put a portion every month, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if the stock market's up or down. If you're investing the same every month, you're averaging out some of those highs and lows. Yeah. So when it's really overvalued, you're buying less, but when it's undervalued, you're, you're getting more. So that helps, that helps you achieve that 10% a little bit better. And all these things just start averaging it out. Cause once you try to time it, I mean, I've tried to time it cause I've, mm -hmm. I love this stuff and I watch it. And that's why I've simplified it so much because I feel like I've gotten ahead uh, mostly because I've focused a little bit more on real estate. And so I feel like those were the right decisions. And I see a lot of good decisions I've made but the amount of headspace and the risk and, you know, the losses that have come along the way, I'm not sure like that, that will move the needle, not as much as the habit of saving and investing at an early age that has a much higher impact. So like you're asking if, if you start in your twenties and your money was just being invested in the entire market and you average 10%, it doesn't matter if you bought Apple or Google or jumped into Bitcoin, your, your wealth would be growing at this nice steady rate and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. It's, you just, it, it, it's that habit. That's yep. so much more important than the specific vehicle. No, no, I agree. Ex yeah, except anytime there's matching, like you mentioned, like if there's corporate matching mm -hmm. where someone's going to throw some money in, take advantage of that. I mean, that's, that's different. That's, we're not talking about a specific investment type, but you know, you've got some corporate matching or, you know, any of these vehicles where the government's going to, you know, give you some tax exemptions or something else, take advantage of that every time all day long. But again, that's going to be your financial advisor and your accountant that'll yeah. give you the best, best advice on those things. Yeah. Well, and that's what I try to do with my corporate job. Like they match up to a certain amount and I put that in because it would be dumb of me not to. Like if I put X amount and they match it, I don't care if it's company stock or whatever, they're giving me free money. It's great. I do have yeah. a little, like I call it my play account. So I have like my normal investments that I don't touch. I just put them away, put them away, put them away. We have like a little play account on Robinhood where I just play around. And like I'm in the internet world. I'm in like fiber internet, security, all that stuff. So like there's certain stocks that I just really like. So I play with them. 
but it's like, I know this is money that if I do well with it, great. If not, okay, I'm taking a risk. Or maybe I bought Bitcoin, wrote it up to about 50 and then sold it. And I haven't bought it since. And it does that whole thing. So I know there's like those crazy risks, but that's probably once you have the habit of putting that money back, if you have extra play, I call it play money, but money that you can risk, maybe you do it there, but don't make that your main investment is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And even looking at that, I mean, it is very rare for someone consistently, anyone to beat the markets. And even some of our stop, top stop, stock pickers will see, you know, they beat the market, you know, one decade, two decades, maybe even three decades. Like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're, they're on the wrong side and they lose it. Like see, even Warren Buffett, like I don't think recently with the way the market ran up, he's a much more conservative investor. He was yeah. not beating the market. So over time to consistently beat the market over a long period of time. And that's what we're trying to get into here. We're trying to create a lifetime of wealth, not, mm-hmm. you know, just enough money to, to buy whatever you want to buy. And then you're out. Yeah. This is creating wealth that you want around for a long time to beat that market. Like I'm trying, mm-hmm. but, but realistically it's, it's, it, it's almost impossible. It yeah, really no, is almost I agree. impossible. And it's funny you say that. Cause even when I'm doing this, I know certain stocks, I can put stuff in that are like solid and they're just slowly going to grow. So I'll make my moves when I get the gains. I just put them back into those like Google stock or Fortinet or something that I know it's just a solid, it's being a fluctuate a little bit, but I'm not going to really take any losses. So when I'm not doing it, I still have that slow growth. So yeah, I'm with you there. So we talked about three things so far. We talked about your, I call it your life by design. We talked about getting the habit of doing, putting money away. We've talked about some vehicles you can use. What's the next step? In, and what's the name of the book? I'm sorry, here we are talking about the book. Oh, like, what's the name of this book they're talking about? <laughs> the book is uh, The Golden Quest. Actually, you know what? I don't think we've, I'll show you the book real quick here. Cool. So the book is uh, The Golden Quest. And so this is it here. It's a, so like I said, it's a, a children's book. And uh, the book is The Golden Quest. You can find it on Amazon. It's also on my, my, my main, main website as we're talking about the awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the site, theawesomestuff.com because that's really where I want to create it, this new new way of viewing what what is important, what what living a rich life really is, theawesomestuff.com. And then as these build, so really there's like four core rules. And the fourth one is give and you'll have more. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's a, I tr- that's one where I really played with because that's again, back to the mindset, one that I almost wrote for myself. Cause I'm, I know this and I do give, and I do believe in that theory, but it's mm-hmm. so hard again, when you feel like you're, you're trying to achieve more and more and more to not feel that scarcity and that lack. So trying to show in this, you know, graphic novel and this story, how someone can give and have more. And it actually comes back, not just financially, but in a million different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I paint this picture where the little boy meets this, uh, this blacksmith and she talks about how she started giving and helping this, you know, little town she's in and how the town started to flourish and her, you know, her business started to flourish. And you see all this, all those little breadcrumbs and how they're linked and come back. 
and and show this beautiful story because I think that's a lot lot where we 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 know of these things but we still it's hard to do it in a way where you're just you're trusting in it but also doing a way where you just you just see you see the beauty in helping helping others and it, and it does always come back so yeah no I I agree like I read a book called The Go Giver by uh, Bob Burke same type of concept and it's so true in my sales life with networking i've gotten more deals back from helping people without trying to get because remember you had to there's a caveat you can't do i scratch your back you scratch my back that's not giving that's a deal but like i've sent referrals and done different stuff and then all of a sudden these referrals and different things come back to me or different opportunities and i think it's just that law of you're doing the right thing you know you're reaching out helping people and it comes back and it builds and it might feel weird at times and then my other thought on that david would be this maybe it's not that you have money you're giving but maybe it's a referral maybe it's time it's not always i think people think when you say give you got to give money no you have other skills and assets you can do too not that you can't give money you can do that but I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is that kind of your I, same thought? Yeah, I love you mentioned that because I tried to, again, it's a, it's a kid's book, but I tried to plant all these little seeds. So even with the giving, she's got illustrations of her, you know, giving gold. It's this fantastic world and, and she's giving. But as she's doing it, the whole time, she's actually building a fence for a neighbor. And then the boy joins her in building this fence. And then at the end, she basically says exactly that, you know, that, there's a lot of different ways to give and it doesn't all, you know, and she, she hopes that she's able to illustrate to the boy that look, there are different ways to give. And, and this is just one way and, and you can give in other ways. And that's, I think that's where people do get stuck is they start thinking it's so much more than that. So I'll, I'll show you here just cause we're talking about it. You can see, you know, here's some illustrations where she starts giving, she gives some gold to this, this farmer and, and with that, he's able to create this plow and do some other things with it. But the whole time she's sitting here when he, when he first comes up on her and she's building this fence and he doesn't realize it's not her fence and she's just doing it for her, her neighbors until, until the end. But that whole idea of exactly, there's a lot of different ways to give. And it does start, if you're not doing it for any reason other than giving it, there is an energy to it. Mm -hmm. And the simplest is just, back to that mindset it's almost impossible to feel poor or that you don't have enough or that you aren't doing like you don't have if you don't have something to give you're like just the just the fact that you have something to give makes you rich so that that mindset itself is going to change everything and it's going to change how you interact with the world so you're going to feel richer and not that lack and lean into things a little bit more and then that energy comes back and those people and and it can come in a million different ways. And it really doesn't matter how it comes back. It's just a way of being that that um, really, really epitomizes, I think, living a rich life. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is the most important asset you have is time. Like, I'm cool with giving money and all, but my time is harder for me to give than money. Money is easy to give sometimes. Like, oh, cool. Here's your donation for the Boy Scouts. Or here's your this or here's your that, you know. But when I'm giving time, that's like, a lot more valuable and i think once you start to do that you start to feel good about yourself you look off of your circumstances what you're dealing with and you're helping someone else and then like you said that energy that grace comes back to you what else have we have we missed anything from the book or is that kind of the i know they need to read it you need to buy it and read this book but i mean is that like for a synopsis of it have we missed anything from the 
That's a big one. But what's neat is the whole book's written like a hero's journey. So this big hero's journey, the same way that, you know, Luke Skywalker has gone this classic hero's journey in Star Wars, where he starts on the farm with Uncle Ben and becomes a Jedi. The young boy, he starts off just wanting to become rich. That's all he's looking for. And thinking mm-hmm. of all the things he can buy. And so then after all this arc, he's wondering like, what, what's the point of all this money? And really what it is, is to create the freedom to do what you love back to the awesome stuff. Yep. And that freedom doesn't mean you leave your job. It's just creating enough freedom that you now have choice and you can, you can live a life doing really what you want, which is why this whole thing, going back to the awesome stuff, that's what I'm hoping to sort of build this movement and excitement around is what is your awesome stuff? What's really important to you? It all comes full circle to that. Mm-hmm. And again, the idea that it's not a destination, like sometimes we think of money as a destination. Once I have X, then I'm good. Or once I have X, then I retire. Or once I have X, then I can spend time with the kids. It's not, it really is a journey yep. and there is no end. And so it's really important to think of it that way. Otherwise we, we get caught up and just chasing and, and run out of time, as you mentioned. And Well, it's like chasing a rainbow and not finding the gold at the end because you have this idea of, well, if I get here and then you get there, you're like, what now? You know, like, what now? I did that. So, but if you have that attitude, I'm going to give and help and grow and, like you said, enjoy the journey and to build that life that I love, that that's, I think that's key. So do you have like a group or a um, like Facebook page or anything that we're, because you keep mentioning you're building a community. Do you have like a place where people can connect for the community or is that just still the website in your Facebook group or Facebook page? Yeah, that's starting to grow. I mean, I've got the Facebook page. So I do have a Facebook page um, called uh, The Awesome Stuff. And you can also find me on Instagram, same thing. So all this is, is based on the awesome stuff. The, the website's a good spot because then I can start capturing emails, sending things out. So even along with the book, people come through, I try to feed them with synopsis from the chapter. Because again, these are short. Um, it, the, the whole book itself is over hundred pages, but I'm trying to get all this information, these little kernels and these snippets, but I'll set up conversation prompts. Because what's really important to me is not just to give this book to the kids or, you know, the the nephew, it's to actually start having these conversations because that's, that's really what the problem is, is we don't talk about these things Mm -hmm. and having them as a family and start discussing, well, what is like, what's my awesome stuff. And then like my awesome stuff is different than my son's. And so once you start seeing what, like what's important to everyone else, you start recognizing that, or how are we spending money or what's important or where are we going to, where are we going to focus our money or what's, what's important to us they're good decisions, like good conversations to have. So that's what I'm trying, trying to do. And then beyond that, just have people start spreading the word. Cause once people are aware of just pausing and reflecting on what is their awesome stuff, it opens everything up. And it's the same with, you know, just kids, instead of fighting with your kids and saying, no, you can't have that. Just asking them, is that your awesome stuff? And letting them pause and reflect. It doesn't really matter how they answer it. If they pause and reflect, that's, that's really what's missing right now. And that's, that's the entire magic behind all of this. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I wish looking back and again, I grew up in the Midwest. They didn't teach this type of stuff. My parents told me the best they knew. So no, like, no, I wish I would have known a lot of this stuff. Now, like I've 
got, as I've gotten older and learned it. So I, I commend you on this because like, I think that's something that the education system in general, we won't have to go on that road too badly. My thoughts prior were a little bit weird on it, but they like totally have abandoned it. They make you good workers, but they don't teach you what to do with your money or how to not maybe tell you what to do, but at least give you options. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And so I'm hoping to sort of work with some schools and build some curriculum, like just even some lesson plans around it, work with financial advisors and, and come in and, and do, you know, talks with their, their clients and they can give this away. Like there's, it's so important just to start putting that information out and just get people having these conversations and trying to take all the judgment out of it. Cause that's the whole thing as well with the book. So these are all, you know, lessons, but it's mindset and habits. It's not do this or you're bad, or if you want the car, that's not, that can't be your awesome stuff. No, it's figuring out what's really important to you. Yep. And, and back on that awesome stuff, you can feel it in your body. Like that's what I try to get people to do is feel it in your body, not because this is what the commercial told you you should have, or because your friend has it, or you think you should have it. If you start talking about it, are you getting excited, animated, passionate? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about with the impact you're doing with your show. That's, that's hearing you talk about that. You're going to be more animated, more excited, feel more vibrant and excited about life than, you know, something else that you're like, well, maybe I like this, but it's just a throwaway yeah. and you're, you're not that passionate about it. Notice it in the body. And, and as you notice in the body, then, then you start chasing all those things that are not just things, but experiences and friends and, you know, work and impact. Yeah. Well, and like, again, the whole concept of the, the podcast, once you get to the point where money is not the pressure and you're being smart, like you said, and putting away and doing all that, then you can start building your life. And then you can be like, okay, what do I really value? I don't care about cars. Cars, I could care less. I have friends that love cars. My wife likes cars more than I do. Like, it's not my thing. But you talk to me about trips. It's great. You talk to me about networking and meeting interesting people. I'm excited. You talk about helping people. That's my awesome stuff right now. You know, but 20 years ago, my awesome stuff might've been, if I could just have X, but I think as you grow and you experience different things, it just changes, which is good, but we want to get you to that part. Well, and start recognizing that excitement level. So whatever you think your awesome stuff is now, notice it in your body. So then if you experience something that gets you more excited, then that becomes your new level. And then that becomes your new level. So the level isn't specific value. It's what gets you excited. What really lights you up? What what do you remember a month from now, a year from now, two years from now? Was it the car or was it the trip or was it something else? And taking that judgment out. So for me, like I love the idea that I've got the freedom. So I mentioned I was in my kid's library watching them and there was the kernel of this. I love going to be at the, my son's school mm -hmm. and have the opportunity to volunteer or go on field trips or be around. Like having the freedom to do that, like that, that's my awesome stuff. It lights me up. But I'll talk to other parents and they're like, the last thing they want to do is be around all those kids and all those yeah. parents and all that stuff. They want to get out of there. They want to be away on the weekend on a beach or in the woods away from everyone doing their own thing. Like everyone's, everyone's different. And same when you're talking about like networking, I love networking and people, mm -hmm. but you meet an introvert that hates small talk and doesn't want to be around those people. And it just drains them. It's not their awesome stuff. So it's just trying to get rid of all this societal pressure and shoulds and woulds. And that, that's what I notice. I mean, a lot of people, when they talk about the awesome stuff, they'll start saying, well, this is what I really like, but it's silly or it's bad or it's dumb. That's that society mm -hmm. sort of wrecking, wrecking what's really important to us. And once you start figuring out what is important to you 
it doesn't matter. You start, you, you start feeling rich, you live that rich life and, and you know, what's important to you. It makes a massive, massive difference. And it's just that awareness. So, yeah, so that's no, what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah. no, I think just that's great. That I, I think that's, that, I think it's just important because especially in the worlds that we are in, cause you're in the entrepreneurial space, getting entrepreneurs to actually understand what their awesome stuff is hard because they're always chasing always well i got to do one more rep one more no sometimes you just got to enjoy the moment sometimes you just got to yeah. take a breath sometimes you just got to actually slow down to speed up so i love that so last yeah. question as we're bringing this to a close is there what words of wisdom or like say people are just tuning in right now what words of wisdom would you want to impart to people listening anything else that we maybe we touched on or we haven't touched on just awareness and pausing. So if you think of that mindfulness, so all of this stuff is based on just pausing. Because I think, like you said, we get so caught up in the momentum. We don't pause and we don't reflect. And it's just a questioning. And it doesn't matter what the answer to the question is. It's just stopping and pausing and asking the question like, is this what I love? Is this the awesome stuff? Is this the client I want to work with? Is this the job I want to have? Is this the friend I want to spend time with? doesn't matter what the answer is there the answer is irrelevant it's it's the pausing because i think that's the thing is we just don't pause enough and and that's the most important awesome thank you so much david for being on the show i appreciate you my friend and thank you all for listening you know that finances are not talked about you know that in our society is a big need so take this episode share it with your friends go to the website get the book Buy the book for your kids, nephews, nieces, whoever you know, and read it yourself because you probably can learn something. And until next time, have an awesome, wonderful night. Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.